Buffett recruits new allies. Tragedy strikes in the past. A new player emerges and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap Chapter 3 of the Book of Boba Fett. All right, we are back here on the Sky Guys talking about Chapter 3 of the Book of Boba Fett, The Streets of Mos Espa, getting ready to dive into a very action-packed episode in the present, a key moment in the past as we talk about in the clip show. Let's get started here. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Also with me today, one of the co-hosts of the Sky Guys, the guy whose voice you hear in the narration every week, uh, Pete Considori is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. Um, As always, talking stars with you guys is always a blast. This show is starting to go downhill for me. We'll talk about it a little bit. All right, so Pete is trending down on the sky on the uh, Boba Fett. A little bit, a little bit, but we'll talk about it more in depth. Uh, like you said, action-packed episode. Um, in its elements, I enjoyed it, but we'll dig deeper a little bit later. All right. Also with us today, the leader of our biker gang, Nick Freda, is here. Nick, how are you? Every week, you give me a. Uh... A title, and I was trying to predict what you were going to give me this week, and I did not land on that. I landed on The Godfather. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> uh, so, But I'm doing great. The news dropped yesterday of Joe Judge, and I couldn't be happier. I was I was ready to take shots when I heard that. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to talk about Star Wars and the opposite of Pete. I'm trending up on the show. Yeah, so we'll see. I feel like I'm sort of in the middle here where I can go either direction. We'll see how this goes. And I did feel like the biker gang thing, Nick, was sort of the recurring thread between the old, the past timeline, and the current timeline. Yeah, it is. And before we even dive in, I do want to say that I feel as if Pete, you're in the majority with what I've seen on the internet and everyone around people think this show is going down. So I'm in the minority here with the, the positive feelings. Yeah. I mean, just to, I don't want to say clarify because you, you've heard my comments about the first two episodes and, and, and all that. It's an enjoyable episode, um, and I think every episode we've done so far, the past two, I've said it, it was enjoyable. I, I took it as it was, and I liked it. There's a lot wrong with it, though, in my opinion. Um, like I said, we'll get into it further, but um, it, it seems, th- you know, I didn't know that, Nick. Thank you for letting us know that. I didn't know the majority was this is a terrible show or this is a show that's going downward. Um, I the thought- episode, really, not necessarily the show, but the episode. Oh, the episode. So, so I thought I was the odd man out because, you know, we were talking off the air earlier and you're like, this was amazing. You know, Mike was saying that he hadn't watched the end. I was like, oh, I'll watch it later. And I watched it. I was just going, ah, like I, yes, but no, it, it, very mixed feelings, but I'm trending more toward the no. Yeah. I feel like the internet has definitely been on the downside in this episode. And I've read some reviews where they're like questioning things and like plot holes popping up and things don't make sense. We're rushing through things. I can definitely see the logic of that argument, Pete. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to organization, and I don't want to take too much time on it now because I'm sure we're going to talk about it later on when we rank the episode and talk about the episode as a whole. Um, but it's it's kind of playing into a lot of what I said for episodes one and two, and I think I predicted a couple of nuances that we can talk about a little later. All right, let's go ahead. Let's dive into the episode here. We'll start off at the beginning of it where we're getting a history lesson from the from the Matt Berry droid. His name is 8D8 about the fallout from the sail barge incident. And basically after Jabba dies, he explains what happened to the structure of Jabba's empire. And he says that basically we had three crime syndicates on Tatooine take control of parts of Matespa, the Trandoshans, the Aqualish, and the Klaatuian. 
if Fortuna grabs the throne and he's not powerful enough to control everything. So what he does is he ends up just using alliances to keep them together and he's paying off the mayor, which explains back to episode one why the mayor's assistant came looking for a tribute, looking for payment. So Nick, was this helpful to you in understanding what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering why the huts took so long. It doesn't really answer that you know, entirely, but I was wondering why that. I was wondering why they didn't just kick Big Fortuna out, how he maintained power, considering he was not powerful or didn't seem powerful, at least. So it cleared up a lot, and it made me realize that what I said in the Book of Boba Fett preview podcast, I was just 100% wrong, and that's okay. I said this was not going to be a show about the underworld and the mob. That's what it is. It's a mafia show. Yeah, it absolutely is, Pete. And I want to say, did you take anything out of that like little spiel that the droid gave us about the his about the five years after the fall of the sail barge? Uh, I did. I think it was smart for them to put that in. Um, two episodes too late, in my opinion. Uh, but I, I, I do think it's smart that they put it in. I think that you learn a lot about a lot more about Star Wars that you may not know. Um, you kind of understand what the area is like, how the area is broken up. You get backstory. Um, without having to do a 50-minute flashback, which um, I appreciated. Um, but it was good information to have, and I think it was a great way to pretty much start the episode off. Yeah, it did. We get that little out, bit out of the way, and then we get the arrival of this local water merchant, uh, Lortha Peel, played by the great character actor Stephen Root. He's been a bunch of things. I know him basically from 24, season 8. That got off a season where he's Bill Prady, the parole officer in that season. He comes in basically says, hey... I'm being robbed blind by a biker gang. There's, they have cybernetics. They're stealing my water. Can you fix this? And he says, it's a sign of disrespect to you. And I feel it's disrespected that you're disrespected. I was laughing the whole time when this guy's basically trying so hard to combo and doing the Mando mission for him. Nick. Yeah, very passive aggressiveness with him. Uh, another thing I want to talk about with the... Um, the what was it the the history lesson yeah. was i've always wanted to know and i'm happy they finally did something like this is like we see areas in certain times of star wars and then we don't see them in other times for example naboo we've only seen naboo in the prequel era we have no idea what's going on there since i want i've always wanted to know like what's happening at this time period in this place what does it look like and we're kind of finding out like well this is what happened in tatooine after the fall of the empire and it's just something that's nice to know I know we got a little bit of that in Mandalorian, but not really. We didn't get an idea with the crime syndicates and stuff, and now we're getting that information. But to what you were asking about um, the water guy, yeah, he um, he very, very similar to the way the mayor's uh, mid, what, what is it called, the Major Dean? I was going to have been the major, mayor's assistant, basically. Okay, so very similar, though, to what he did in episode one um, with the, uh, just like the way he acted, his personality towards Boba Fett, and I think they both share a trait, which is what he said. No one respects you. And I think that's why Bib Fortuna was able to rule, because he didn't expect people to respect him. He just said, the crime syndicates, I'll have allies, whatever. They, you know, they don't have to respect me. I'll, I'll just get to be here and I'll run things over kind of thing. And Boba's trying to go in and rule the way Jabba did. Not with fear, but with, you know, with respect, as we say. But he's trying to be like a totalitarian leader if you will and it's not going to work if they don't respect you yeah pete what'd you think about the water guy and his and his problems here were you on to the fact this guy's basically a slime ball as soon as he showed up 
Um, I wasn't on to the fact of that. I think he was trying to insult Boba enough to get him to do something. He had a personal interest in it, obviously. And he he tried to, I don't want to say bribe him into feeling not insulted, but he was like, I'll double my tribute if you help me. Uh, and, you know, make sure people respect you. You know, I think Boba's downfall in the show is that he's just expecting people to respect him without really doing anything. Um, you know, ruling with fear, ruling with strategy, fine. He kind of walks into that throne saying, well, well, I killed the last leader, so you should just automatically respect me. It ain't going to work like that. And I think that's his downfall in this show, in the current part of the show, obviously, and not, not the, the, the flashbacks. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw it coming where he would probably side with the quote-unquote bad guys of the scene, which in theory, kind of turns around that the water guy was the bad guy trying to overcharge on water. And he was like, you're ridiculous. Here's 500 credits instead of like the 3,400 credits or something crazy that he wanted. <clears throat> but it, it seems to me that hopefully Boba Fett is starting to get the idea that he needs to do something and prove himself and not just walk around with a suit of armor and go, well, you need to respect me because I have that throne. It ain't going to work like that. Yeah, Nick, I think Pete Grant brings up a good point here in terms of like Boa Fett talking about like, oh, you know, like I should have respect because I killed the last guy. But the underworld's like, no, nah, uh -uh, that's not how it works. Either like you make us respect you or you pay us and we deal with you, whatever. I feel like for a guy who is as involved in the underworld as it is, I feel like it's bad writing on the show for him not to be aware of those politics. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, he, for what we know, he's been a bounty hunter and who do they serve? Crime lords, for the most part, for a long time. So you should know that stuff. I find it very interesting. I, I noticed that in these scenes where they're showing Boba on the throne, I guess called the throne, right? Yeah, yep. on the throne where he's like accepting these meetings, the camera angles are kind of like from his point of view down, as in when you're usually looking at that scene, it's from the person talking to him up because we're looking at it from Boba's perspective. So he's supposed to be the good guy. And I find that thing that i find interesting that i usually wouldn't because i usually don't care about that kind of stuff like the camera angles and the film and the like usually the lighting like i don't care about that stuff usually but that one really caught my eye how we're kind of like making it seem like he's the good guy here but with this water guy is basically what i said earlier is what i am kind of reiterating now but he shows us without showing that he tells us but he's what he's basically saying is exactly what pete said you can't just kill someone and think you're next in line boba wants to rule with respect but maybe in order to get the respect people have to fear you first yeah it's really a great point and pete let's go on to how he handles his problem here with the biker gang kids and they show up there he's outside the kids basically say hey we don't respect you nobody respects you out here and then he hears their play about how oh like we are working on this, which we don't have work. And this guy is charging us a month's worth of wages for a week's worth of water. And that's one hell of a racket that, that Lord appeals running over there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of shifts the way Boba Fett looks at the situation. Um, you know, I call that, that group of kids or, or group of people, uh, the cyberpunk power Rangers, <laughs> I, giving them different colored bikes just kind of was like, I don't know. It just it was just too easy to not think of the Power Rangers. But anyway, um, you know, I think he handles it well. And I think that's the way he wants to rule. Right. We hear it all the time. Respect, respect, respect. I think he handles that correctly. I, I don't think him bullying a bunch of 
you know, kids with cybernetic advancements saying like, I don't care how much he's charging you, pay him for the water and stop stealing. I don't think that's going to help his cause. I think he's going to need to make allies in the way that he did here where, hey, what's fair is fair. I'm going to, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine now. And I think that's how he's going to start to build the respect. And it may not be the respect of people trying to price gouge or trying to um, screw someone over, you know, for a lack of a better term. He's going to he's going to have to make those allies with with, you know, let's call it underworld. He's going to have to make those allies with the people that may not be considered um, upstanding citizens. Yeah, Nick, that's a good point also. I feel like also Bubba plays this correctly here where he sees the situation, he sees that they're getting screwed and says, you know what, like the Cyberpunk Power Rangers are more useful to me than some guy who's overpricing his water. I can just intimidate that guy. These guys get useful to me. I think that was a good read on his part to pick them up. Yeah, and personally, I like the characters and both people hate those characters from what I've seen online. And this is how I think about it. I was thinking about this like two hours ago. I'm saying... We've gotten to a point now, 2022, where we're complaining about the characters in the weekly live-action Boba Fett (laughs) TV show. Ten years ago, I would say, I don't care who's in it. Give me that show. Please, I don't care. Now we're complaining about what characters showed up in episode three of the show. And I did see a couple people say this, and I do agree. If these people, I guess, guess, what are we calling them? The what what Power Rangers? What did you say? Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk Power Rangers, if they were on Coruscant, I feel like it'd make a lot more sense. Yeah. But I'm okay with it. I don't really mind them, but yeah, Boba's recruiting. He's building an empire. That's what you have to do. It was just him and it was just him and Fennec. And we were and at the end of uh, Mandalorian season two and that post credit scene, and we were all like, Yeah, Boba's in charge now. We didn't think like, well, think about how big Jabba's palace was and how many people were in there, like in Return of the Jedi, like when Luke went there and you know when the whole cast was there there were a lot of people in there like boba can't just rule with two people and two gamorian guards yeah Pete, he doubled his uh, army there in a span of like one negotiation session good that's a good job yeah i mean i have no problems with the characters either i just uh calling the power ranger just was too easy yeah um yeah, yeah no i think look like i said before it's smart work it's it's work smarter not harder um he like you said mike to to just echo that he knows the guy who's over selling overpriced water is not going to be any help to him because he already came in with a passive aggressive attitude saying, Hey, you need to help me because you're not respected. So he like kind of like twisted his arm a little bit, kind of like you kind of need to help me if you want respect. Now that he sees that he got played by that kind of person, he goes toward the, the more obvious play and gives him, he himself pays for the water and says, this is what you're going to take because you're overpriced anyway. And then he offers them jobs to work for him and to be part of his crew. Um, it's smart. It's effective. And I think it would have been bad if he went the other route or if the writers went the other route where he helped the one guy selling water versus helping the, uh, I guess, commoner or like the just the random people that are in the town that are not selling things or or looking for work or anything like that i think if the writers went that direction it just wouldn't have made sense yeah and obviously he does his work he goes back to home he goes to sleep he goes to the back of the tank for our only flashback of the episode where he goes and meets with the pikes in the flashback and the pikes nick i'm sure i don't know if you caught this is that the pike leader who he meets with in most Eisley is voiced by Phil Lamar, who we've heard him before. He does a lot of voice in the Clone Wars. He did Bail Organa. He did Kit Fisto. Nice job by them to bring in a familiar voice for us. 
I didn't pick up on it at the time, but that's nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, kind of wondering though, why would you not get? If you're gonna get somebody, why would you not get the person who voices the pikes or a pike? Uh, whatever, it was cool. And then he goes back and sees everyone slaughtered. But the meeting kind of just said, in a nutshell, I have no problem paying you protection, but I'm already paying them, so I'm not gonna pay all to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, it, and I don't, I don't blame the guy. I'm not going to pay two people for the same thing, you know. Yeah, and Pete, he made a good point. Bob was like, "Is like, hey, you know, like I'll take care of the bikers. I already dealt with them once. Like you're only got to pay us, and because it's our land and the Tuscan land, you're going to pay them instead." So I thought the approach was correct. Unfortunately, the timing was poor. The timing was poor, but I also think the Pikes kind of knew what they were doing, right? I mean, the Pikes ran to an issue with the the Tuscan Raiders. At least they thought it was an issue, right? Because they were trying to run the train through their land. Um, and now you have someone representing the Tuscan Raiders saying, we'll give you protection, even though they just destroyed their train and made them walk back or whatever. You know, word of that gets back to, a, you know, a, the syndicate's leader. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, that's great. You know, I'll pay them because they destroyed our train and threatened us you know as any leader probably in the star wars universe i don't think that's how it works i don't think count dooku is going to be like i'm going to pay the jedi to protect the you know i mean i know this makes no sense but like count dooku is not going to go to the enemy and say oh you messed this up we'll pay you for protection now like it the pikes are a very very strong syndicate especially what we've learned in past movies and shows um very large syndicate as well I personally think that that was planned. I think they knew that Boba Fett was away from the camp and they planned the attack while he was gone so that there was no not issue because I'm not saying Tuscan Raiders cannot fend for themselves. But I think they were like, yeah, absolutely. Go back to camp and uh, we'll see what you could do. And then when they got back, the camp was pretty much destroyed and and everyone there. Um, that's definitely going to play into the current situation now. But it, it, I, I can't say I blame the Pikes as much as it's a messed up situation. Like if I was a syndicate leader in Star Wars and someone robbed my train, pretty much blew it up, made my people walk back in the desert, pretty much probably almost dying trying to get back. I'm not going to pay them for protection. I'm yeah. not going to want to be their friend. Yeah, Nick, do you think that maybe they sort of tipped off the biker gang and said, hey, sort of like, hey, he's here. Go kill the rest of them while he's here, while he can't bother you guys. Think that's possible here? No, oh, absolutely. I think that's I think that's what happened. I think I'm over eighty percent sure that's what happened. So, and I, and again, like Pete said, I don't blame them. So you know, and and you know, Boba goes back to the camp. We're led to believe everyone's dead, except they don't show the body of the warrior purposely. She's definitely alive. She's going to come back in the present timeline. They only show the body of the leader. Which, you know, he's, and I'll be honest, and this is going to sound harsh. I was so happy when I saw them all dead. <laughs> that sounds unbelievably harsh. What, what are you, I, what are you asking, Skywalker? Yeah, I hated the Tuscan Raider part of the beginning of this show. I've said it so many times in, on here that I was like, I hate the flashbacks. They're so boring. Boba Fett, Driver's Ed. I really couldn't stand it. And when I see them dead, I'm like, this means less flashbacks more present and if there is flashbacks it's going to be new characters who can actually talk and to me i'm thinking about that today and i'm thinking i hate we've I, this is probably the 30th time i've said this in the last year when there's only one character that can talk on the screen and the only time it's ever worked so i'm thinking about this today when did it actually work 
it worked with Mando and Grogu. Yeah. Because he can talk, even though he can't talk, he can show emotion in another way. Like the droid, I guess, can show emotion, but their face doesn't change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's actually a living thing. So it worked with him, but I was thrilled to see them dead. <laughs> it sounds awful. It's unbelievable, but I was, and I was, I noticed that, that, yeah, the one that he bonded with that wasn't the leader is still alive, which I would be shocked if she doesn't come and help him in the present timeline. Yeah, for, as talked about here, we do see that Bolo left the camp, it's torched, but they have, the biker gang was there, they spray-painted their symbol, let you know they were there. Pretty much everyone is dead, and I want to point out that in our prediction segment last week, our guest, Mike Brash, actually did predict this, so let's listen again to what he had to say. With the flashback, you know, I think, you know, we got a big chunk of that out of the way. You know, I think now, you know, I think it's all going to be downhill from here. You know, we saw, you know, a great progression, you know, with Bulba learning from the Tuscans and, you know, and, you know, learning a lot from them and, you know, joining forces and getting their respect. But something uh, terrible is going to happen in the next episode. And it's going to lead to some kind of, you know, disarray or whatnot. And it's going to you know, lead to Bulba leaving or you know, something along those lines. So, Nick, did he use his Mafia connections to get the screener for the episode before us? Probably. Or he just, you know, knows how this thing works and the Mafia knows if you mess with my train, I come for your people. Yeah. Yeah, Pete, that was a surprisingly good call. Like, a very accurate that came this episode. Oh, very good call. Very good call. Um, You know, it wasn't something I was thinking about a lot until this episode. Once everything um, happened, I said, okay, it makes sense. It was a really good call to make. Uh, he nailed it. Yeah. He did nail. He beat us all that predictions. We had a couple. You and I each had a couple of things, right? Pete, Nick was off the mark completely. We'll see if we well, I, don't know, I don't remember what I said. You basically said that the dinner was going to happen and Bosk was going to be at the dinner, and that was it. Was going to work together. I think that's going to happen next episode. All right. Well, we'll get we'll get to that in, in a minute. <laughs> Every the dinner didn't happen yet. The only the only scene from the trailer didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going on, and I also want to go forward here to the present because obviously the past is done. We go forward to the present, and somehow, Pete, this bothered me the most this episode. How the hell did Black K get inside Java's palace and get all a beeline straight to Boa Fett's back to tank with no one noticing? There is a lot of questions that came up in this episode, and I think that's why I think the show is tanking a little bit. And it has nothing to do with the quality. Well, there are some things that bother me about the quality of of, of the episode two, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. Um, the scene was cool. I cannot say it wasn't one of the better scenes. I think fighting sequences in the show, but you're right. Where is this guy come from? He just appears nothing like Boba Fett wants protection. No one's protecting the place. You don't lock the door. How does this guy get in? Um, so you're right. I don't know. He just shows up. Um, I guess that's just going to be a mystery throughout the season of how that happened. So, yeah, Nick, it's not a good look on Boba Fett there either, because he's kind of asleep at the wheel where he didn't tell Fennec to lock the door or had the Gamorreans on guard or had the biker gang on guard. Nobody is watching with well, the door. I don't think it's crazy. I think it made perfect sense. Boba walked right into Bib Fortuna's castle. And you would, you would assume there's more people in there. There's only nine people, eight people in the entirety of the castle. And we know that Black K has worked for Jabba in the past, meaning he probably knows his way around there. Yeah. 
So I, I've seen this everywhere. So this is another example of where, Pete, you're in the majority again. Everyone's saying that. But to me, I'm like, well, Boba did it less than a year ago. And no one's asked any questions. And this guy used to work there. And let's keep in mind, how many people work there? How many of those Power Ranger guys were there? Four? Five? Yeah, four. 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 Bo- Boba's sleeping, so he's out. Fennec and the two guards. So there's seven people total in the entire place. And I guess the droid. So eight people total, including a droid. I don't think it's crazy. I, mean, I play the video games. I go, all, I maneuver all around 100 people at a time to do my stealth attacks. Yeah, but it doesn't feel realistic, though, especially considering that he's already gotten a lesson from the droid about not being respected, and he knows that he's already been trying to kill once. You wouldn't think you'd lock the door, Nick, when you go home. Well, there's there could be more than one door. Either way, I think it's a plot hole. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's possible, right? I mean, anything is possible. I wish they would have shown it because I'm confident that he just snuck through and knew his way around and there weren't a lot of people in there, so it made sense. But since they didn't show it, your questions are valid. Yeah, Pete, what were you going to say? No, I, 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 anything is possible, right? We're talking about a show from a universe where people fight each other with light swords, right? I mean, like, anything's possible. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and nitpick that. Um, I think it would have been cool to show how easy it was to get in because that can also show how unprepared Boba Fett is um, because he just thinks people are going to respect him. I think that would have been a cool um, character development moment where he goes, oh, crap, like I really am not doing anything to show that I'm supposed to be feared or respected or whatever it is. Like purposely Uh, leaving the door open or something? Not even that, but like just showing how unprepared you are, right? So like he may think, oh, well, I'm respected. No one dare come in here. Well, <laughs> look what happened. He just walked in and he doesn't care. So, um, you know, it, that could have been cool, that angle. I think it's because they didn't have the time to do every little thing. So they just had him appear. I don't look. I don't think the scene's bad, but I agree with Mike that a lot of Star Wars movies and episodes, you could definitely say, well, how did that happen? But again, you know, from a production standpoint, can you show every little thing? No, but you got to at least kind of hint that he's around. As opposed to that's just like both oh, waking up in the back tank. He's just there. That makes no sense. You're right. 100%. In my opinion. Well, if runtime was an issue, maybe we could have cut out the driver's ed scene in the last episode and made it, made it say he walked in. Preaches the choir on that one. But again, that is thirty. That episode was that was last episode. This episode was only thirty eight minutes with the credits. So yeah. like they Same had to, the they first could, one. Yeah, they could have done this if they wanted to. They chose not to. Right? They could. I mean, they choose to make them thirty eight. They could have just made it forty two. Right? Yeah. Does it make a difference? Like, are they allowed? Sure. Right? Yeah. They have. I'm assuming they have the budget. They draw it out. They decide they only show us this. Right. Unless there's budgetary restrictions, I, yeah. I can't see Which them. With them, they're probably the that's for the least of their worries, right? Well. Yeah. You know, this is what I was going to bring up when it came to quality. It really bothered me how bad the Pike leader that Boba Fett was talking to, how bad the 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 facial recognition and the way the mouth was moving to fit the words. It really bothered me how bad that was. Yeah, that looked so, Star Wars and Disney having a budget like even if make him animated, make him want to like make him like Jar Jar Binks, just take take the time and make him animated versus getting a guy to go into makeup every single day and then like forcing a mechanical. Cause I'm sure that's all animatronic. Like I'm sure yeah. that's not someone actually yeah. doing it. I mean, it was terrible. It wasn't matching up at all. People complain about the CGI. I think it looks, it looks good a lot of the time. Like I think well, the huts look pretty good. 
I don't think the Pike Lear was even CGI. And I think no, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I know people complain about it, but I think that would have been better if he was. The Hutz are CGI, and they look pretty good. Yeah, I think, 100%. I think the problem you bring up here, P, I think it's a good point. I think the quality of the shots is inconsistent across the thing. Like, the shot of Boa Fett on the Dewback or the Bantha, like, in the middle of the desert, like, that's beautiful. That's, like, an outstanding shot. And then you have things like that where the guy like looks like he's a bad Disney animatronic robot. Like, that's not great. If you if you have the money to make the twins look good, right? And it and it seems to me the twins are not showing up anytime soon again in the season. Could be wrong, but it just seems to me that that's already ixnade until maybe the the later episodes, like the last two. Um, if you could do that, what does it take for a forty five second animation? Yes, it may take you an extra month to do that, but be consistent. We'll talk about it later, but yeah, that just sorry for that tangent, but um, yeah. I also want to go back. One thing I forgot we talked about the Tuscan tragedy is like I I thought they did a good job, sort of like hitting you in the feels with it because like Boba, like obviously he's bonding with them, like they become his people to an extent. He's been a nomad for so long, but the thing that bothers me is like we spent two whole episodes basically building them up, building them up, building them up, and then to get rid of them this early just like felt like okay, why we bother doing that. It kind of reminds me of the Rise of Skywalker in a way. Yeah. Which, when you know, obviously we we all think it was a bad movie, but when I saw it, I remember being kind of happy because I didn't expect it to be good. I was like, I went in there thinking this is going to be terrible, and it was. But I was thinking, my obviously, you know, I didn't like the Last Jedi either. So yeah. when I saw them kind of going against that stuff, I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, take that back, take that back. So that's how I kind of felt about Tuscan Raiders. Like, yeah, take it back. I'm done with you. All right, so anyway, the fight was pretty... The fight, for however stupid it was, how we got there, the fight was pretty good. I mean, we saw, like, the biker gang comes in and saves uh, Boba's ass. Boba's getting his butt kicked, as Nick theorized last week in the comments com- that he could basically give him a lot of trouble. The Gamorreans come in, one gets hurt, and Fennec ends up showing up late, saving the day by tricking him into the Rancor trapdoor. And again, like, kind of a lazy way out of the fight, but, like, kind of when they had to, considering he was going to kill all of them, Pete. I'm fine with it. Um, I think that Fennec is probably the strongest characters character in the show um, from an intelligence standpoint and also from a physical standpoint. Um, I can see Fennec trying to work smarter and harder again, just using that in this podcast twice already. Um, But um, the, the issue I have with that whole scene only is that he comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I think the scene is good. I think the fighting's good. I still can't stand that Boba Fett just keeps getting his ass kicked. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, but I think Fennec using that trap door was just a smart play. It was a smart play. Hey, we're probably not going to defeat this guy. You have five guys, six guys going after, maybe even seven at that point, going after him and nothing's happening. Throw him in the rancor pit. Just, just get him out of the way. So I don't. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and Nick. I think the one thing about this show is by me is besides also the fact that Boba has not been a good like action like fight character here. Is that like I feel like the writers by necessity have sort of sidelined uh, Fennec, aka Min Na Wen, who is an outstanding stunt person. She can do a lot of stuff. She's funny. Quest. I feel like they are kind of like backburdering her to hide the fact that you know Boba is not the same guy. He's he's lost a few miles at the fastball. I think that's hurting the show a bit. 
Maybe, maybe. But so I've heard the exact opposite with the things that I've seen on this episode. People are mad about this fight because if that was, I mean, it was real. It happened. It was it's canon. But people say if this was real and canon, he would have killed all of them easily. The Black K, that is. Yeah. And they're mad that that, that they put up a fight at all. There's like the people would like he would have literally killed all six of them because Fennec wasn't there. Easily. So I don't really, I don't know. Like, I didn't read the comics, but you're not going to, I'm sorry, you're not killing the main character and every one of his friends in Zan, so not happening. But I did notice about the fight, which I loved, the whole time, Boba's obviously fighting back, right? He's fighting for his life. He's grabbing all his Mandalorian gadgets. He's trying, they're not working. None of them working. What works? The Tusken Raider thing. Yeah, the stick. Yeah. So he's going through all his things, realizes it's not about that anymore. It's about this. Yeah. yeah that which was-, was cool to see. Goes down into the Rancor pit. That's kind of, yeah, that was kind of like, really? He really, like, he really stood on the trap door. He's been in there before. He didn't know what the yeah. trap door was. He used to work for Java. It was kind of, that was kind of a little, Lame. you know, maybe his emotions took over. He was so angry that he couldn't tell where he was. And that's definitely happens to people. You know, you get, you know, you lose control of your emotions and your brain. But it wasn't, you know, it was kind of like a cheap way out of the fight. But the uh, little cyberpunk guys, I like the, I, I like them. I think they're cool. And I, just like I said, I just wish they were on Coruscant. But the fight to me was cool because Bobo realized that he needed to use the Tusken Raider stuff instead of his Mandalorian things. And it was cool to see the Black K in action. Yeah, and that ends up happening. He gets trapped in the, in the Rancor pit. Next morning, the twins show up with all their soldiers or carrying them in the middle of the desert. It's a long walk for them. I feel bad for those guys, but... We, I digress. Anyway, they come in. They say, hey, we tried to kill you. Our bad. Like, we've both been lied to. The mayor sold us both out to somebody else. We're leaving. Here's a rancor. Blah, blah, blah. Pete, it is bother you just how quickly writers just brought them in one episode ago. Now they're leaving. Like, why would we even bother having them here? It was, I think, a cheaper out than Fennec using the rancor pit to stop the Wookiee. I, I just, it was just so quick and just it it in my opinion deleted any importance the twins have on this season or even the show and you know i'm i'm sure you know maybe even you two may disagree with me i really think that this just undid episode two yes some sort of way the only thing i can see coming out of this episode that didn't undo like what wasn't undone in episode two was the wookiee the, the Wookiee's going to come back. He's going to be back. But I just, for some reason, this show has done an incredible job of every episode they put out. It's a really good first episode of the season. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how they've done it, but it's a really good first episode of the season. It's almost like they're resetting every single time. And that's why I think they're on a downward trend. I, I don't know why they couldn't have released episode one to be an hour and a half and just put all three of these episodes combined, trim the fat and said, here's episode one. Now we're setting up for something big. Now you can have six episodes of dealing with all this crap, but they've literally wasted almost half of their season run on resetting themselves every time. So to me, horrible decision. Yeah, Nick, does that bother you as well that we introduced the, to the twins last episode? Like, oh, they're here, they're a threat, and now they're running away because there's a bigger threat coming. That Does that bother you? It does not bother me because I don't think they're running away. I think they're lying. Yeah. I think they'll be back. 
in probably an episode or two. I don't think they'll be back in this one, maybe the next one, but they'll probably be back in episode six at, at the latest. And I think they're lying, and I think it's them, and they promised another syndicate. It's the Pikes, obviously. And I think the Pikes and the Huts are all working together because they all work for one person, and that is Kira of Crimson Dawn. And I think they're all in this together to take down Boba Fett. And I think your main villain is Crimson Dawn. Yeah. And that's why I'm not really... A, if that's true, though, and they do just go away, then yeah, of course, I agree. I just don't think they're going away. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, they, we'll get to the Rancor in a minute, but also they bring out Black K, and they're like, hey, here's your Wookiee back. And they're like, you do what you want with him. We're done with him. And I think... Pete, at the end, they just let him go, and Boba basically gives advice, like, hey, you know, I've been a bounty hunter, like, be careful who you work for, and just lets him walk away. I feel like it's negligent on Boba's part not to, like, some work out some kind of contract with this guy, say, hey, like, like I'll pay you, don't come after me, help protect me. I feel like it was negligent on his part. Um, It was negligent, but I think it just sets up for a later episode where he comes back and says, hey, you spared me, I'm gonna help you. Yeah, I, I just, you know, as much as it's negligent in the storyline, like, it's pretty much a, a just you're teeing that up. You're teeing up yeah. him showing up and helping Boba Fett and having that like mutual thing. Like you helped me. You didn't kill me. I'm going to help you. And then maybe season two is going to be them with Fennec. I, I don't know. But like it just I feel like if they go that route, you can't have like it would be very redundant, right? Like you can't have two main bad guys, right? So the cyberpunk Power Rangers and also the Wookiee, you can't have both of them have the same kind of plot line that these people were messing up your territory. You're going to hire them. This person's trying to kill you. I'm going to hire you. It's just too redundant for one episode, in my opinion. Yeah, Nick, it's definitely not, oh, the, do you, not the last I'll season. Do, go ahead, Mike. It's definitely not the last we've seen a Black Cat. He's definitely coming back. No, I, I'm actually a little confused why he didn't just sign with Boba now. You know, however you yeah. want to quote-unquote sign. Like, just say, alright, I'm with you now, but Pete, how do you build a mafia empire if no one's there? You got to recruit. You're 100 percent right, and and I think, I think that if the first episode showed us anything, if you try to betray Bobo, he's not going to work with you at least right away. I don't think he was going to hire the assassin that they captured if he helped them. Right. So let's say the only reason I disagree. I know what you're saying. The only reason I disagree is because they it's not like they just met. They know each other in the past in canon. And that's why I feel like, okay, you were just in with the wrong people now. Like, you know, I know the real you. But they didn't go that route. And they're, I guess they're kind of assuming people did not know anything about the character. Right. So I, I did. Right. So even with that canon, unless Boba Fett comes out and says, like, hey, we've worked together before. I know this is not you. Come work with me. Different story. Um, it probably could have worked. But again, in a 38 minute episode, which four and a half minutes of that is credits. So let's call it a 35 or 34 minute episode. If you have the same plot line twice or maybe even three times, you're going to be like, all right, like you could do this in a montage. You don't have to like every single time an enemy comes, you hire them. You know, it, it, in my opinion, some people may be fine with it. But for me, if I'm seeing that in an episode, I'm like, great. Like all we saw in this episode was him hiring people. Yeah, that's trying to kill him or hiring people that are doing the wrong thing or whatever. I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, Nick, and you're you're 100 right. I just don't know if me as a per, me as a viewer and also the writers sitting at the table saying, "What should we do in this episode?" Thought, okay, 
the main villain that could do damage is going to get hired in the third episode. Yeah. I think they I feel want- if you don't do that, then you're going to repeat the storyline. That's why I would have done it. Yeah. Like, I, get I, it done I, with. You know what I'm saying? That. But I think what they're trying to do, which, which I think you'll both agree with me on, is they're trying to tee up him coming back and then being a part of the crew. Yeah. You know, almost like you try to kill me. You know, the Wookiee saying, well, you threw me in a pit and you were going to kill me, but you're letting me go. I'm going to come back and help you when it's needed for the big moment in the last episodes of the season. And then we're going to be a crew. And that'll lead up to the next season. I'm not saying you're wrong in the in the mindset of why you should have just did it right then and there. If we were in the real, real world and this was not a show and if Star Wars was real and they're like, hey, I need people. 100%. You should be doing that right then and there for entertainment. They probably need him to come back more episodes later as like a holy crap, he's back moment. And I think that's right. probably why they went that route in an entertainment standpoint. From a business standpoint of Boba Fett, he absolutely should have tried to recruit him right then and there. Yeah, especially once the Huts basically say, you know what, like, do what you want with him. You can kill him. Like, he's your prisoner. Do whatever you want. With him. I think at that point, that's the time and logically you should be striking that deal with him saying, like, hey, like, they screwed you. Like, I know, like, we started out on the wrong foot, but bygones can be bygones. We should be working together here, not, like, going after each other and creating more problems. Right. There's another thing I want to mention about this point in time in Star Wars is we're led to believe the Hots have always power, right? Yeah. From the prequels, the original trilogy, Jabba, the Clone Wars, everything. At this point in time, they do not have power at all. Yeah. Vader murdered almost all of them. Jabba was one of the last ones left. So I wouldn't be surprised, sadly, if Jabba's son is dead, first off. Second off, if he's not dead, he's probably... I, I don't think they age the same way, like how Grogu, so he's probably still like a little kid, so that's probably why he's not involved. I'm pretty sure Jabba was a couple hundred years old. So that's probably why the son's not there, but they don't have much power anymore. So leads me to believe if they're told by Crimson Dawn, Kira get out of there or pretend you're getting out of there kind of thing. Like, you know, listen, listen to what I'm saying. I think they're going to say, yes, they're not going to go against her. Cause they don't have that much power anymore. Yeah. And the main piece of information we get here is that the mayor is in on this. The mayor is working with the pikes to basically sell out this, this piece of the land. But before we get there, we spend about five minutes with both at Bobby with bonding with the rancor. And we get a lot of Danny Trejo as the rancor trainer and telling us the story of the rancors, how they bond with people sort of get the explanation for why the Rancor trainer was so upset when the Rancor died in episode six. And Nick, do we need any of this? Yeah, this is great. Yeah. This is telling, this is showing us exactly what they did with the Tuscan Raiders and Mando, what they did early in the season. We're getting a different perspective on characters that we once knew. And listen to this. If you didn't pick up on it, this episode confirmed the canonization. Is that a word? Yeah. The canonization of the Star Wars holiday special. Boba Fett said he wants to ride one of these, and they said he couldn't do it, and he said, I've rode much bigger things in the past. Boba on that dinosaur in the holiday special is canon. <laughs> so, Pete, aren't Amazing you going to watch, really watch that now so you have that piece of backstory? No. <laughs> Amazing news to see that canon, canonized. Nick, kudos to you to, to pick that up, because I... I that totally flew over my head. Oh, I loved it. I was I was going nuts. And I know, but I really, in all seriousness, though, I enjoy getting a little bit of backstory on the character. And also, I don't think this is true, 
But a little part of me is telling me, is it possible that this Rancor works for the Huts and it's kind of like a trick and he's going to go berserk on them and kind of turn on them? I don't think so. I feel like they made it very clear with Danny Trejo saying, like, hey, like, the first person who sees the, like, the Rancor bonds with him and Boba was well, him. That's him. what I mean. Is he works for them. That's really what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'll, I think Trejo is on is on is more invested in the Rancor than the Huts. Well, he's a badass actor, so I'm I'm happy to see him on board. Yeah, we're just calling him Danny Trejo. I don't know what his character name was, but like, no, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think if we're getting more of him, that's gonna be fun, Pete. I agree. I I, I love that he's in this. Um, I think that was a great casting as well, um, because badass character and he can like he can just come out of nowhere and actually do some damage in this season, right? Like you can just. He's one of those characters like you don't think anything of the character yeah. right now, but it could be catastrophic. It could, he, he could mix a lot of things up just by the way he trains this Rancor. Yeah. Um, I think this is the best part of the episode for me. I know that might be like a hot take and that might be like a what, but this is really cool to me. Rancor was always looked at and always seen as this beast, this uncontrollable beast that just wants to eat people and, and just be whatever comes in my way. I'm going to eat and I'm going to kill and whatever. To see that this is something that bonds with its owner, that can be trained, that you can ride, that you can use in a organized manner. Um, and also, we can't use the word humanize, but gives it emotion. I think this was fantastic. I think it was a great thing to do. I think they did at the right time because I think having a rancor in episode one or two would have been very soon. I think with four episodes left, you have a lot of time to do stuff with that that beast um yeah no i think this part was great yeah nick i'm gonna throw out two things one he's definitely gonna ride the rancor by the time the show is over they're definitely teeing us up oh, with yeah. that they foreshadowed very nicely last week at the rancor pit having nothing in it now there's something in it i also want to point out here i feel like we're seeing that boa is going to treat this rancor better than java treated his and i believe that in, in return of a jaggy we've been told that java starves, starves the rancor so it's hungry eat the prisoners and he throws them down there that's right yeah and um i totally agree it's just a way. It's a way to show the difference between Jabba and Boba. And two things about this uh, Danny Trejo. One is, what am I supposed to know him from? Because I know him. I just can't think Spy of Spy Kids. Machete. I'm probably saying that wrong. I think it's yeah, Machete's. Also... Oh, that's probably the best. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? Now that I think about it, um, Machete. Now that I think about it, is um, it's Spy Kids, correct? Yes. And. What's his name? Did Spy Kids, the one who's doing the, these Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez, yeah. And another the, the thing I wanted to bring up is, do you have any idea without looking it up? Hopefully, you guys didn't look it up. Do you know how old he is? Who, Danny Trejo? Yeah, I think he's in his sixties. Pete, any guess? I'm gonna go seventies. He's seventy-seven. Wow, that blew my mind. Yeah, he's in great but shape yeah, for seventy-seven. The, the Rancors. You think maybe that's the Rancor from uh, Bad Batch? Probably not, but no. probably not. Actually, definitely not. But that's still cool to, I guess, make things you make things canon in your own head, like Rex in the in the Return of the Jedi. It's not canon, but it's canon in my head. Yeah, this was this was fun. I did enjoy this the most of this episode, and I did think afterwards we see that. Boba and Fennec and the Cyberpunk Power Rangers go down into the mayor's office to meet the mayor again. And the mayor's assistant tries to pull a fast one and says, you know what? Like, I'll go get him. 
And then he just pulls the door and just tries to run out the back of this thing. And Pete, that was extremely dumb. That led that we used that to tee up the uh, chase sequence with the speeder bikes. I'm fine with the chase sequence. I just I I can't stand how this character flip flops. Yeah, he has gone from a stronger character when it comes to willpower and standing his ground to I'm gonna run because I don't know what to do. It's like you've been dealing with Boba Fett on three or four separate occasions just fine. Now all of a sudden you don't know what to do because the mayor's not in. Just say hey, the mayor's not here. Go home. Like <laughs> I don't. Or open the door and say, look, he's not here. Right. Come back open later. Door, look, he's not even here. I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, so I, I just don't really like how that went down. I'm fine with the speeder chase. I think that was a pretty cool scene just in general if you look at the scene for what it is. But, like, come on. The guy has this passive-aggressive attitude toward Boba Fett. Like, he's not afraid of him. And then all of a sudden, uh, 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 I'll get him and then runs. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, to me, it made no sense. the The character wise, the 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 scene with the chase itself made sense because he was running, but his character shift was just weird. Yeah, Nick, before I want to ask you real quick, did you ever see the Toy Story Halloween special? The uh, I forget which what the name of it is. Did you ever seen that? No, the answer is no. But I'll tell you what, I have seen, and that's Back to the Future. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, tell me about this Toy Story Halloween special. Yeah, so apparently there's this, like, after takes us after Toy Story 3, and Bonnie goes with her mom to go on a trip. The car, like, it, one of the tires goes out. They end up staying in a hotel. The hotel manager tries to steal toys, steals the toys, sell on eBay, gets caught. At the end of the episode, the cops show up. The cops are like, hey, are you the hotel manager? And he says, no, I'll go get him. And he runs out the back door, right? Cops his car, crash into a uh, stop sign. So basically, they basically did the Toy Story 4 tri uh, treatment on this guy. Oh, this was this was directly taken from Back to the Future. We yeah. have the end with the with the oh, in Back to the Future with manure, right? Yeah. And and this is the uh, the, the fruits. That was great. Also, oh, we we didn't mention this. We got to go back to the Rancor. They said that the Night Sisters used to ride them, and then we we yeah, and the Night Sisters, from what we know at this point in canon, are all dead except one of them, and that's the one from Jedi Fallen Order. So maybe, not in this show, but maybe she's you know around in canon, which would be nice. But the chase, I loved it, and there were some things about it I didn't like. Like for example, I thought they were it was a little slow. Like they weren't, they literally weren't moving fast, which yeah. is kind of weird. I thought that was kind of odd. And again, people were complaining about the color of the bikes. Like we really got that far that we're complaining about the color of a bike in a live action weekly Boba Fett series. I which, the by the way is taken immediately from the George Lucas movie. Uh, what's it called? American graffiti. Yes. That's what it's taken from the colors because it was taking place in that like diner 50 setting, all the really bright cars. Like that's why the colors were that way. But this scene I noticed no one else notices. I looked everywhere online, could not find a thing. First you see a, uh, I don't know what you call them, a three PO droid. Yeah. A protocol droid. Then you see an R2 unit. Then you start seeing all the other droids from Star Wars, and guess what? The mayor's assistant is in a speeder. Do you know the colors of that speeder? I did not catch the colors. White and bright orange, BB-8. Yeah. So they were paying homage to all the droids in Star Wars history in that scene, and I can't believe no one picked up on that. Yeah, a good it, catch. Looked like BB it looked like BB-8, his speeder. And they crashed through the painting, which was a concept art of the, of the show. That I saw. They 
They crash into the fruit stand, which is classic, classic fashion of a chase. Like, it couldn't get any more. Cl- and it's funny, because last week I was saying to you, isn't that a bad thing if you take something right from something? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I feel like in, I kind of your answer was if you do it right and you don't rip it off completely, then it's fine. And in this sense, I see what you're saying. They didn't rip it off completely. They changed it to, well, what is a car chase in Star Wars? It's a speeder chase. And what are fruits in Star Wars? They don't have apples. They have whatever the, those things are called. Yeah. So I like that. I wonder if that's the same fruit that uh, Hera was looking for in Rebel's Feet. Might have been. I, I think it was. I'm pretty I, sure it was. I that I, I that was the first thing I thought. I, was like, I wonder if that was that fruit that they had to go to market for because it looked like it. Yeah, it did. And the mayor's assistant is a terrible driver. He basically gets himself caught right away. And for me, the chase was fun. But Nick, my problem was, again, it's like, it's something that Pete and I had last year when we did the Mando episode with the two years ago, actually with the spiders at, on the ice planet where I feel like this episode, they had concepts that they wanted to do like, Oh, we want to have black K fight Boba's gang in the palace. And we want to have the mayor's assistant get in a speeder bike chase with the bike, with the biker gang. So problem is we had no logical way to get to those things. So the plot holes to get there are just enormous. You can definitely say that you can definitely say that. And I'm not going to disagree. Yeah, P, I think that's the, I think this is why it started bothering us. I feel like this is basically the spider episode from Mando season two all over again. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to, I don't want to say go on a rant, but I'm going to talk about how this whole episode is just bad. Yeah. Scenes in it are good, but the whole episode in general is bad, in my opinion. Um, the plot holes, and again, with this character, how quick he is to be like, the, the mayor's going to hire the pikes. Like, what? Where did that come from? You were this confident, like passive aggressive aide to the mayor two episodes ago, literally less than two hours ago in episode time. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're squealing. What happened? What the frick happened to this guy? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, let's go forward to the end of the episode here as we skip forward like about a day, maybe, and then we see. A bunch of pikes show up. We see that shot from the trailer of the ship pulling in, and they're all coming off the ship. And one, I think the the guy with the red bike is spying on it, reports back to Bo, and he says, we're getting ready for war. That's the end of the episode. And I, I think, Nick, it was kind of a lame way to end the episode. It reminded me of The Sopranos a lot. Yeah. They walk off that ship looking like literally a bunch of goons. And I, I said it before. A month ago, I said, this is not going to be a show about the mafia and the underworld. That's what it is. He's trying to become a godfather. He's dealing with other crime families. Just pretend they're Italian instead of aliens. That's what it is. It's a mafia show. Yeah. Well, Pete, it is what it is. And I mean, these guys showed up and we've seen them before in obviously some of this show. We saw them in Clone Wars a bit when we saw season seven, when they were dealing with the spice and they were dealing with Ahsoka and the, and the Martez sisters. So I'm not my favorite characters, but like they do look terrifying, which is nice. I have no problems with the way they end of this episode. Um, and I might be in the minority when I say that. I think it leads up to a good episode number four. Unfortunately, I think it should have led up to a good episode number two. Um, I think the Pikes showing up in what's supposed to be Boba's territory is a great way to end it because now you're like, okay, you could do a lot with this. We can move forward. Boba needs to prepare now that the Pikes are going to be coming in. 
that's probably going to be the main conflict moving forward in the current timeline for the foreseeable future. Again, there's only four episodes left, but I'm doing that right. There's seven yep. episodes. Yeah, it's a four to go. Yep. I always ask, and I keep forgetting. I'm so scatterbrained when it comes to the episode number. But you have four episodes left, so I'm assuming that that's going to be the main problem in the foreseeable future of this show. Um, no problems with how they ended it. I'll talk about it in a little bit when we talk about the episode overall. Should have set up an episode number two instead of an episode number four. All right. With that, I think we kind of wrap the episode here. Let's go to now our trackers, which we do every week. And not much movement. I'll go through them real quick. Hondo still at 18 appearances, Nick. We have not seen him yet. I feel like the longer we go without seeing him, the less likely he shows up. Yeah, it's, I, I, my guess is no Hondo. I wonder if they will save him for the Obi-Wan show, considering his bond with Obi-Wan. He's got to be in one of the shows, though, right? Yeah, he's got to be in something. I mean, they put him he in friggin' to. Disney World. He's got to be put yeah. in live act at some point. He'll show up again. I don't know when. Maybe, like you said, maybe in the Obi-Wan show. All right. Bo-Katan at 13, the Darksaber also at 13. We're not seeing we're any not, of those. We're not. Yeah, we're not seeing those. Yeah, I think, I think after, after this week, I think we just take them off the list. I think just to save ourselves a little time, Pete. Yeah, I... Unfortunately, the way this season's going, which is fine, I don't know if we're going to get any major callbacks to other Disney or any Star Wars plots that are going to be in our tracker. I, I think it's kind of on its own now. Yeah. Uh, but it, look, who knows? I mean, they could do something wild. I think the only thing we're getting is we're going to see, I think we're going to see Amelia Clark. And I hope we're going to see Harrison Ford. But I, I don't think we are. I think there's a small chance. I still think we're getting Cat Bane. I just don't know when. I think we are going to Oh, get I do too. I do too. I do yeah. too. Yeah, our character draft, I'll throw it up here a second. Obviously, no movement yet, but I think the further we get along in this, the closer, the more likely is that I'm going to win this thing. They're going to win one nothing. Yeah. All right. Also, <laughs> other trackers here. MA characters. But, but we can't even blame ourselves because so far there's only been one. And yes. no one was drafting the random lady from Mandalorian Chapter 5. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So I'll get to that. Yeah. No MA characters this week. No appearances from them. We have no more ruling of respect yet, Pete. I wonder if we overrated that after the trailer. Well, they kind of overrated themselves, and I think that's probably why we thought it was going to be so prominent that he's just going to keep saying it. I think we're going to hear it by the end of the season, though. I don't think we're done hearing him say he rules of respect. Yeah, He's showing it a lot. He's just not saying it out loud. He's doing the actions that would, you know, but he's just not saying those exact words. I yeah. feel like there's going to be a time where he's arguing or explaining to the mayor or someone who's trying, you know, leader of the pikes or something where he's going back and forth and they're saying like, you're weak. You don't rule with whatever. And he goes, I rule respect or something like that. Like it's going to be some like monumentous thing. Um, and that'll be like the last time we hear it. Yeah, I think, as Nick said a couple weeks ago, I think when we ever we had that meeting we saw on the trail of the dinner, I think that's going to be when he says it again. Yes. Um, I do think, Mike, I'm getting a little worried about something. Is that... Um, hold on, fi finish the trackers first, and then please come to my worry. Yeah, so the last one here, the Mando tracker, we did update. We got one because during that flashback when Boba goes into Mo's eyes, we see in the background Peli Mato, the mechanic from... Mando walking in the background with her three uh, droid, droid workers. So we got one on the board, Pete. I did get that right. We got a, man, a tracker updated. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. So, well, it's actually, it's actually really a huge scene. Yeah. When you see her, it seems like nothing, right? But yeah. it's actually huge because 
You see her walking in the background. It's not about her. Who cares if she's there? We, we get it. You see them putting the stormtrooper helmets down. Yeah. That tells us that during those flashbacks, we have now passed the Return of the Jedi. Yes, we've we've had the yeah. Empire has fallen. So that shows that some progression in the timeline, as in when he first came out, we're led to believe that during the events, we're now after that, possibly a couple of days to weeks after that. I uh, I caught the whole stormtroopers on the helmets on the stakes. I just didn't catch the character. Yeah, it's like I yeah. I saw she the, was in I the back. The, I just saw I saw the droids and then I saw her walking. Oh, that's the lady from Lando. Yeah, as I, I saw the droids. I said, wait, is that her? They went back and checked on a recap. I was like, yeah, that's her. So good job of them sneaking around. Was that not even had to get the actor in there? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. That just shows that we have some sort of continuity and shared universe here. Yeah. And do you want to do the MVPs first? Or you want to go back to your concern first, Nick? We can go to my concern. My concern is that this show has an overwhelming feeling of there's something bigger, right? Yes. We've been saying that since the preview, that there's something bigger, there's something else. And in my mind, that something bigger is after the first couple of weeks, in my mind, that is Crimson Dawn. I think that that is the thing that, in my mind, is when is Crimson Dawn going to show up? When are they going to show up? And my fear is that this turns into a, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. You can tell me if I'm not. It's either Mephisto or Mephisto. Yeah, Mephisto. Mephisto from the MCU shows that we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for Camelia Clark and the callbacks to Crimson Dawn because it makes sense, but it's just not happening. I could see that's what it, I'm afraid of. I could see it being Crimson Dawn with a new leader. That I could see, Pete. That's fine too. I don't. I don't mind. I don't I need to see Camelia Clark. See I would be a little disappointed if they did that, though. Um, but it, look. It's a possibility. I mean, they, look, they can they can work around a lot of things and make it the way they want and still have callbacks to events, people, groups. I mean, it's it's easy enough to do. It would be disappointing, though, if they didn't get her character, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really, really never thought I would say this, but I really wish Maul was still alive. Yes, he would because this is her. the perfect opportunity to bring him back. Yeah. But uh, you can't you can't do it again. Yeah, he's dead. She's we saw Obi Wan bury him. You can't do it again. But I honestly, I would love it. I mean, if he, if that scene in Rebels never happened, I would love it. Yeah, I'm also gonna point out here. If, like we were asking last week, when Amelia Clark is up to. She's in cast in the Nick Fury Secret Invasion show on Disney Plus. So might be a little busy. So who knows? They flew her out to uh, London to film a scene or something. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? All right, now let's get to our MVPs and LVPs. As we do every episode, we rate the best and worst characters of the episode. I feel like we a little movie on the board this week. After episode two, Boba Fett is in the lead at plus four. Fennec Shand is plus two. The Gamorrean Guards are plus one. They're only positive characters. The negatives, the Tusken Raiders, minus one. The Mayor's assistant, minus one. The Rodian Prisoner, who got destroyed in episode one, minus one. I docked the twins last week, minus one. Mike Brescia docked the towel rat who came back this episode. He got a negative one. <laughs> and Madame Garza got, is dragging down to the bottom here. It's a negative two. So let's start with our MVPs. Pete, who was the MVP of this episode? Uh, I don't know. The Wookiee was really cool. He he did he did what he was there to do. But like I don't know if I can give an MVP for the episode. I mean, I... 
the coolest part for me was learning about the Rancor. And I feel like the Rancor is going to have a lot of. You can get, um, you can get Danny Trejo the MVP. Yeah, but it just. It's hard. I, I don't know who to give the MVP to. I feel like everyone was equal. I feel like everyone was a little underwhelming. I, I, the show has been a little underwhelming for me, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the ranking. But I, I don't know. Do you, want, do you want to go to Nick and think ponder on it? Yeah, yeah, could you go? Because I have. I, I, I don't, can. I really don't know who to give the MVP to. Controversial answer. I think the MVP was Boba Fett. Ooh. Interesting. I do. I think Boba showed a little bit of being a badass and showed that he is involved and he's ready to take the next step and be the mob boss. He's not about it. See, I'm learning this now as the show's going on. It's not about the bounty hunter Boba Fett. That guy is gone. Sorry to us as children who loved him. That guy is over. He is the new godfather. He's not doing the dirty work. People are doing it for him. I know we don't want to see that, but that's what it is. Uh, Pete, you, you need more time. I can go if you need more time. I'm going to give it to the Cyberpunk Power Rangers. Um, All right. I, I, I do like those characters a lot. I um, make fun because I don't know what else to call them. And I just, the colored bikes and the, the animatronics, it just, it just was too easy. But um, not animatronics, the cybernetics. Um, I think they're going to have a greater role in this season. And I think they had a pretty big role in this episode. They went from these like kind of punk kids that, you know, were stealing water, but then it was like understood why they were stealing water and they, they decide to join and help and do the work with Boba Fett. I I'll give them the MVP. Yeah. Pete, you took it out of my mouth. I'm also giving the cyberpunk power Rangers the MVP point this week, because obviously, I mean, they were stealing water, but they had a good reason to, and they, we get recruited by Boba Fett. They end up saving Boba Fett's ass because if they don't run in the in the uh, room where Black K shows up, Black K is going to murder Boba Fett. That's also happening. And they track down the mayor's assistant on the speeder bikes. They do a good job before them, basically, because he's got to crash into the fruit stand. So right. MVP point for the Cyberpunk Power Rangers. Now tie with Fennec Shan for, for second on our list. I'm happy. I thought people hated those characters. I was happy to see you guys didn't. No, they were the best part of the episode, man. Yeah, do you agree that they would fit a little bit better in Coruscant? But like, yeah, they they, they work here. Yeah, I also yeah, I, I think it's good. I also think Arnold mentioned Danny Trejo's character. I think he sh- he was fun. I think he's going to be cool. I think he could be part of the crew. I think. Like, imagine like imagine the end. Imagine the end. You have Boba, you have Fennec on one side. You have the Black K on one side. You have Danny Trejo right behind him. You got the Cyberpunk guys, the Camorian guards, Bosk. Maybe Cad Bane or maybe someone else, not Cad Bane. That's a that's a pretty cool crew. Yeah. All right. Let's go the other way now. Let's go to the LVP. Nick, who's your LVP of the episode? I gotta go back to the mayor's hand, the the hand of the king, whatever you would call him. The mayor's assistant, we're calling him. Yeah, he. <laughs> Pete hit the nail on the head. Just say he's not here. That's not you know. I was just a weird response. Like, what are you running away from? He's not here. Come back. Here's What's my- gonna happen? Or open the door, like we said, and just say, look, he's not yeah. here. Look, he's not here right now. Can you come back? Like, they just made no sense to run. I understand you don't want to talk to Boba Fett because there's a new godfather in town. But you don't, have, you don't have to run away. You can just be like, hey, you know, not now, dude. All right. Uh, Pete, you're LVP. Yeah, I'm giving it to the assistant. Just a total character flip, in my opinion. Poorly done. Uh, can't even compose himself in this episode. Meanwhile, he was 
had no problem going in front of Boba in the first episode saying like, Hey, screw you, buddy. We're not going to give you tribute. You know, like it's just, yeah, just doesn't work. So he's getting the LVP. Yeah, I'm going to counteract Nick's MVP of Boba Fett. He gets the LVP this episode for me because he had a very, very bad episode. I mean, apart from hiring the uh, the biker, the uh, Tyrefunk Power Rangers, like what is did he actually do correctly this episode? He completely underestimates the power of like the twins. He lets his security plan is flawed and Black KZ's and the thing almost kills him. In the past, we see he... Gets, Blame the guards for that, not him. Yeah, he he's in charge of the guard. He knows to get, has to give them their orders. You have that. You have his failure in the past where he gets tricked by basically leaving the Tuscans alone. They all get killed. He's, he basically has no idea that he's not respected until Stephen Roos shows up and tells him he's not respected. He doesn't seem to understand how to be the boss. And by the end of the episode, he gets there, but he spends too long making mistakes. So I got to dock him for that. It's understandable. It's like, yep. I can't I can't give him the MVP. I can't give him a point for this episode. Like, he did not earn one. And with that, I mean, we're going to go ahead now to the episode grades. As of right now, episode two is on top of our board. Average of seven from us. Episode one's in second with a six. Pete, you want to start us with your episode grade? Yeah, so I just want to talk about the episode in general, too, with this grade. I'm going to give it a five again, um, middle of the road. And the, and the reason why I keep going middle of the road with these episodes are scenes individually are good, right? This episode... The scene with, um, with the Wookiee, the scene with uh, the Rancor, the speeder chase. Scenes separated, not in the episode, good. This show is so terribly organized that it's going to fail as a whole. And the reason why I say that is because if this kind of organization was in a Star Wars movie, which it kind of was, right? Episode 9. Everything was just thrown in like, hey, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. I understand episode nine. They were trying to fix stuff in eight. No, I don't think if this was a movie, people would really like this. As much as it's Boba Fett, it's live action. We're excited to have it. And again, we've talked about being spoiled about Mandalorian. If they would have took these three episodes, and I, I'm being totally serious, and I hope someone agrees with me on this and, people listening or you two, if they took these three episodes, they trimmed the fat and they showed the entire flashback from him, uh, Boba Fett escaping the, Sar the Sarlacc pit to the, the desecration of the camp, just like just the decimation, excuse me, of the camp. If they showed the assassins trying to get him in the city, they showed the twins coming and leaving. They showed... Uh, Black K, they showed the pikes coming. That ending would have set up episode two, and now you have six episodes to work with all of that. Could have had an hour and a half season um, premiere. premiere. Could have used these three episodes as the first. In my opinion, these episodes reset themselves every single time. I feel like I was watching a first episode these past three weeks, and it doesn't work when it comes to, to week to week, if we were watching this like Clone Wars and I watched three episodes in a row, it would feel like it was resetting, but it wouldn't be so prolonged. I'd be like, okay, I got through them. And now we're at the, the meat and potatoes of the show. And let's say there's 15 more episodes after it. Okay, fine. Like you can throw those episodes away. We can still work with it. I cannot see, I cannot see them making a successful 
season with four episodes with a little over 50% left. 40% of the show has been organized terribly. And if 40% of a movie was organized this bad, I don't think we would sit here saying this is a great Star Wars movie. I don't think we'll be sitting here saying, well, you know, this scene was great. Yes, the scenes are fantastic. The budget and where they put the budget could have been better allocated, right? Like, so we talked about the Pike leader that Boba Fett was talking about. Like, that was just terrible. Meanwhile, the twins look phenomenal. Um, I do like the CGI as as well as Nick does in this in this show. They have not capitalized on what they could have done. This all could have been done in episode one as an elongated episode, trim some fat from those three episodes, and then you have six episodes to work with this and keep going farther and keep going farther. I just, I, I can't see how, if you look at the seasons as a whole and only four out of the seven episodes are good, you could say it's a successful season. You know, if this was the Clone Wars and we were watching it, there was 20 episodes and 11 episodes were good and nine of them weren't. I don't think everyone would be like, well, yeah, the, the, this season was great. No, the 11 episodes were the nine weren't. They shouldn't have been in the, episode, the season whatsoever. Um, and that's just my opinion. I mean, I, obviously, people are liking it. Um, people are not liking it. I'm going more of the organization of the show, not the content. I think if the content was organized better, this would have been much more enjoyable, these first three episodes for me. All right. And I think your point's like you kind of want what, what Bad Batch did where they had the 70 May premiere where they gave you a whole bunch of stuff and they set you up. Okay, here's where we're going. Yeah, it's not even that I wanted an hour and a half or 70 minute premiere. I just think if they would have taken these three episodes, trimmed the fat and got out of the way in episode one, it would have made for a more organized and more make more sense for the season. Because if you end the first episode with the Pikes showing up to his territory and Boba Fett's like, oh, crap, I got to do something because no one respects me. And now the Pikes are here. Now you get six episodes of building allies to trying to fight the Pikes, trying to figure out what's going on. Not four. And, and let's be honest, these three episodes in the current timeline, what have we gotten? 40 minutes of the current timeline? Yeah, we got the most this week by far. Right. We got the most this week, which was, which was good. But we got maybe 40 minutes of the current timeline. So it's totally cool that they're doing callbacks to his um, um, Tuscan Raider times, right? So he uses the stick. He, he is meeting up the Pikes again after you try to meet with them with the Tuscan Raiders. Like the content is good. They did not organize it well. I think they missed the ball on this one. Uh, Nick, your grade. I giving this episode an eight. I like this episode a lot. When I first watched it, I thought it was like perfect, but then I'm thinking to myself, I'm not gonna go and rewatch it multiple times, and that's what I would need for a ten. Like I'll go back and I'll rewatch the episodes of Mandalorian, the finale, and I'll go back and I'll rewatch the um the one when the tragedy, the one when Grogu's taken, like those episodes to me were literally tens. So, I, you know, this one's not, but I thought this episode fixed any issues I had with the show, which was, I thought way too many flashbacks. I don't care about Tuscan Raiders. I want to see what the bigger story is that's connecting to star Wars. And I got all of that. Now we're going to see much. We saw much less flashbacks. We really we didn't see any Tuscan Raiders. Maybe what? 30 seconds before you drove away on the Bantha. Yeah. And the bigger thing is the Pikes, which I hope leads to Crimson Dawn, but we'll see. And that's what I wanted out of the show. And that's what I got out of the show. And I'm beginning to realize what this show is. It's not the show that I thought it was going to be a Bo-Katan going around with the Darksaber with Grogu and Mandalorian on jetpacks. 
it's a mafia show in Tatooine that for now is a mafia show until something like Crimson Dawn shows up at the end of the season and you say, oh, wait, that's our big connection to the Star Wars universe. So I'm starting to grasp this show for what it is. And because I'm, I think because I'm doing that, I'm liking it. But like you mentioned how you didn't like Boba Fett in this episode. And to me, the reason I did, because I'm taking him for what he is now, I think. Yeah, I'm actually going to be lower than PS. I give us a four this episode. Like I really, the more I stay with it, the more it bothers me because again, it sort of goes back to one Pete and I had last year when we did two years ago, we did the spiders where they have ideas for action sequences that, okay, we need to get here. We need to get to this fight with Black K ambushing Bulba in his palace. We need to get to the cyberpunk Power Rangers chasing the mayor's assistant in the speeders. But how we get there is very dumb. The flashback, the choice they made there, Bazzi, because, again, we spent two whole episodes basically learning about his connection to the Tuscan Raiders. We learn a lot about them. We see him emphasize them. We just throw them away so you don't need them anymore. And to me, as Pete said, the problem I have is that, like, we basically run the same plot in the main timeline three episodes in a row, and we advance nowhere. And this. basically all we got is the same thing happens. Boa just gets disrespected. He gets a handful more people to come with him. And we have took us three episodes to get something to happen in this main storyline, which to me says they did not have a lot. And that's a problem I'm worried about this show, that there's not a lot here to work with with this show. I think that I agree. I think that, I agree with that. Because I think the fact that he had so many flashbacks, they're padding out the episodes because there's not a lot here. And there's one nugget that they're going to do with this show that connected to the Mandoverse and pushed the Mando story forward that they couldn't waste time on in Mando. So... Instead of doing it in extra man episodes, we have a whole show built around whatever this one concept is, and that's bothering me. So four for me, I think more the fact that there were good moments is not enough to push the whole thing forward for me. I agree with that. I think that two things could have benefited this show. Number one is, as Pete mentioned, you could have condensed these episodes into like one or two, or, you know, whatever. And another thing is, if this show was 15 episodes in the first season instead of seven, I really wouldn't mind that much. So like, that's what's leaving me not making it better. So to me, because I mentioned it hit all the checks that I wanted in the episode. And that's why I liked it. But there are glaring issues with it. And that's a glaring issue that I thought, remember how I said last week when we came on that I hated episode two, but then as time went on, I started to like it. All the things that you just mentioned that you hated are the things I was feeling last week. And then I was like, okay, that's just not going to go in that direction though. And then they kind of did and it made me realize that again in a way like you know what i'm saying i didn't pick up on it till now kind of thing so i still like the episode for what it is but in terms of the story and what it's going to lead to i'm not sure if they have time to tell us the full story now in four episodes i loved what i saw today it hit the checklist but thinking about it like a show i don't know yeah and if- pete like you, you we talked about this last week you said like I want to see more in the present timeline. We spent basically the last 40 minutes of the last episode in the past, and we got it, and they had nothing for us, really, in this in this episode. Like, we did not really gain much aside from both and pick up the kids. You know what? The funny part is we didn't gain a lot, but we did at the same time, and I think that's the problem. I think that's the confusing and the organization that's... The confusing part of the organization that they should have really thought about. If they would have done what I suggested and made, maybe, like Nick said, the first two episodes like this, you have a lot more traction now to say, okay, we set up how important the Tusken Raiders were to Boba Fett. We set up that there is no respect for Boba Fett and that the mayor's going to the Pikes. You can set that up in one to two episodes 
and then have just a complete banger of the rest of the season, right? I mean, like, it just, yes, you may not have every little scene be great. The problem is I feel like I'm watching the show in scenes and not as a show. And that's what's bothering me. Mandalorian was slow, but at least everything connected and had a timeline. It was slow. Every scene was not, oh, my God, this is great. But it made sense why everything happened in in season one of Mandalorian. This show, every scene individually is not a bad scene. Granted, if you want to make the argument, Tuscan Raiders, they're not really speaking. There's only one speaking role, so that's tough to follow. Nick, I completely agree with you on that. But every other scene you watch, it's like, okay, they can, they can do a lot with this. But then they don't. They just reset it the next episode. I'm afraid that episode four, they're going to reset it again. And the Pikes are going to be like, oh, okay, well, like, we're going to work with you. Like, what? Wait a minute. Against like, the Huts. <laughs> right. Like, I thought this was the problem. Like, don't reset it again. So I, this is what's getting me concerned. But this is also what's getting me frustrated at the same time. The scenes are good. The show as a whole is not. Yeah. And I can't, I can't give the show. I Look, if, if you want to sit here and say episode three, just watching it, I would give it an eight, too. It was a good episode. It was a great episode. But when we're ranking episodes based on the show, everything has the same effect for me. They're all giving me new information, but the new information doesn't matter anymore because the next episode just completely tarnishes it. Yeah, and Nick, I think to me, the problem is I think the present storyline, again, as I said before, it's really dragging the show down because I feel like every episode in the present storyline is basically Boa Fett learns information. Boa Fett goes into Mos Espa and meets somebody. He gets challenged. He meets the challenge. He goes to bed and has a flashback. And then we start over again the next day. Like, we don't make any progress in the present storyline episode to episode. I think we did this time because we're ready for the war now. And the Pikes are here. And I think, you know, we're, we're, we made a little bit of progress. But exactly what you just said is exactly how I felt after I watched episode two. But something in me let it grow on me. But I was sitting there. I was texting Mike Brescia, who was on later that night recording with us and i was like they clearly don't have anything for the present timeline so they're just shoving they're just excuse me shoving flashback in our face and saying this is all we have for you because we don't have anything because there's not a story to tell because let's get real i said this on the uh preview book of Boba Fett preview podcast too the mafia story is extremely played out it is a mafia show but it's very played out we know what's going to happen there's a struggle for power it doesn't matter who it's with. It doesn't matter if it's with the Huts, if it's with the Pikes, if it's with the mayor, if it's with all three. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Boba's going to win the struggle for power. We all know because that's how every mafia movie and show goes. Every one of them. Yeah. So it's like we know how it's going to go kind of thing. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to add to Nick's point. Nick is correct. We, we made we moved forward in this episode. A little bit. We We did. I can't say the same thing about episodes one and two. It all depends on episode four now. If chapter four resets it again, they're done. They're, they're done. You can't do anything with three episodes, especially if those next three episodes are only going to be 35 minutes each. If you continue what you have now in chapter three and give us four 52-minute episodes, fine. You can make it, even if certain things are rushed, but you know we're not getting four 52-minute episodes. I will get one. We'll maybe get one, maybe the I think you'll get one, and then the finale will be pretty long too. So I think maybe right. two. 
So you're not getting four. Maybe two. You're probably getting 38 minute episodes again, which tra- which travels down to about 34 minutes with credits, right? You're getting 30 30- little intro time too, like Star Wars logos and the helmet yeah. showing up, and, and, this and that. that's and, another 45 and, seconds and on pre- its own. Previously yeah. on. Right. Yeah. So, so you're trimming that 38 episode. Let's even call it 30. Let's just, let's go a little under and call it 30 minutes. What are you going to do with that amount of time? If you reset it again, plus flashbacks, right? If you reset it again in chapter four, to me, the show is done because if they do try to do anything, it's going to be way too rushed. And we're just going to be like, yeah, everything was cheap. It was just like, Oh, this person showed up. Oh, this person did this. And it's just not going to be enjoyable. Yeah, because I think what you're saying, basically, especially with the villains sort of popping up, it feels like one of those Russian nesting dolls. You're pulling the head off every week, and somebody else is there. Like, first week, oh, it's the mayor. Now it's the twins. Now it's the Pikes. Like Scooby-Doo? Yeah, it's like Scooby-Doo. Now it's, next week's Crimson Dawn. And then, like, we'll go from, and, like, we're doing that again. There's nothing wrong with that if you approach it the right way. If you do all that in one episode and say, okay, now we're going to set it up, I think it works. Not over three episodes and possibly four. Yeah. Mike, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Based on our movie rankings, I don't know if you're going to fully agree. That's exactly how I felt with The Last Jedi. Yeah. It was like we're just subverting expectations for the sake of subverting expectations. Yeah. I'm going to put this comparison out here. I want to see what you guys think of this. What we were promised with that stinger at the end of Mando where Boa Fett comes in, shoots Bib Fortuna, takes the throne. He's left sitting there and we get the stinger, the book of Boa Fett coming December 2021. We get that compared to what we've gotten. Feels like as big a letdown as Solo was in the movie theater. My 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 gripe with that. It's very easy for Boba Fett to kill someone in that stinger, but for some reason gets his ass kicked every single episode that we watched. Yeah. What is that about? What happened between that and now, which is supposed to be like back to back? It's there's there's no time. He kills the dude, and now he can't kick anyone's ass. Like I don't get it. To be that's f- the gripe I have. I'm not. I never take extra trailers. I, I agree. Never- the Black K, I get it because the Black K should have killed yeah, him. Fine. But I completely agree, especially in episode one with the the, the jet the um the shield people. Yeah, I mean we just saw him in Mando like last season, basically like wrecking stormtroopers in that episode yeah, that episode but the the, the the tragedy was like the greatest episode you know obviously luke skywalker's in the last one so it was better but like that episode was unbelievable your boba was boba yeah and he then, was a bad ass yeah he's wrecking stormtroopers and then yes bib, bib fortune is basically a fat piece of lard sitting on that throne so it's not a shock that boba comes in and just shoots him but like i mean we I wonder if maybe the choice that they sort of backed on is the fact that he doesn't actually do the raid in episode eight. Or if it kind of like, oh, like he's not all that anymore. We're just going to sort of hide behind that. I mean, they, they're they probably trying to hide behind it to show he's not respected, but you can still mess people up and not be respected. Yeah. Uh, it's very simple. Boba Fett was a bounty hunter. That alone could have been the premise of him not being respected. Yeah. He could have been a force in that area and people still be like, you're just a bounty hunter. Like it's very easy to portray no respect. You don't have to make him weak. If he was weak in the trailer, fine. But you have him doing an amazing, amazingly like crazy thing, right? Goes in, kills Fortuna, boom, done. I'm a badass. Literally right after that cannon wise, he, he, he can't beat a couple people with shields. When he has a jetpack and he, he doesn't fly up, he doesn't do anything. 
he needs to like recover every five seconds. Uh, speaking of the jetpack, Nick, one thing I also thought of it bothers you at the chaser scenes. Like, why does he send the kids to his work when he has a jetpack? Why does he just fly and just land this guy's speeder and just do it himself? Well, that's because you don't see Tony Soprano doing that work, do you? Yeah, but he said he's not like Java. Like, he's the one going around and like making the house calls. He's not sending his minions to do it. But he doesn't have that many minions yet. That's how. I, that's my reaction to that. Is he still needs to build his empire before he could be that? That's why you know he's not sending people because he can't. He doesn't have anyone to send. He only has these four cyborgs. Yeah, but again, the whole point of this thing is like nobody's respecting him, and the mayor's assistant clearly doesn't. But then he, somehow he's terrified and he's running away. So why not take advantage of that? Just fly, land in the speeder, and just crash him, and then just that, get the information. That would have been really cool if he if he flew like into the passenger seat and landed next to him kind of thing and then like kind of like knocked him out you know what i mean yeah and pete does that would have been cool again that that would have been more practical for the story but they had this vision of this of the multicolor speeders that we had to build the episode around so that's sort of another reason why i thought the grade i i mean let me care about that like that's just that's nitpicking in my opinion right yes you have to go around that and that's what you're building off of but they, they have to organize it better. They they missed a huge opportunity, I think, in my opinion. They missed a huge opportunity. All of this could have been done in one or two episodes. Two episodes would have been a bit much for me, but it, it still could have been done. We could have been past all this earlier. We could have been in, like, the main story right now saying, okay, like, things are building. We have four more episodes. That's plenty of time. You know, like, we're fine. We're not fine. No, we're not. Scares, scares me for the future if... Because I like the episode I mentioned, but I don't like how it plays into the larger story, like with the show. But it scares me to think, like, let's say this show completely fails. It completely flops. They do this every week and go back and forth and back and forth. And every episode, in my like in my opinion, they're good. But as a show, they're not good episodes. Like, it's a good individual. You know what I'm saying? Um. So let's say that happens. That's really bad for Disney and really bad for Star Wars. You can't flop on a show when you only have one going at a time. Yeah. Like, if there's another show going on at the same time also, like, it's not a big deal. Like, if they had this and Ahsoka, and, and they say, which ones are coming out this year? Obi-Wan's Obi next. Obi-Wan and Andor. Andor. Let's say Andor was, first of all, Andor, I'm excited. I'm pumped. Most people don't care. But let's say you had Obi-Wan coming out in March, and this show flops. No big deal. People forget Obi-Wan's on. They don't care. We don't even know when these shows are coming. And like I mentioned, most people don't care about Andor at all. Most people, who's Andor? They don't even remember from Rogue One. They don't, I, I'm pumped. I think it's going to be awesome because you see the other side of the Rebellion, which I love. Most people don't care. So if you flop in this show and you have to wait six months for the next show, that's really bad for your little Mandoverse and for Disney Plus as a whole. Yeah, so let's hopefully, hopefully they can fix this before the season ends. Let's do wrap up here. Let's do some predictions for, episode, for chapter four here. So Nick, lead us off here. What is the prediction? So my prediction is, and this is, I can see it now, this is going to become a running gag. My prediction is we will see that dinner scene from the trailer with Bosk, and Bosk will be there, and Boba will recruit Bosk. Okay. And then and my past timeline prediction, which is actually really excited about the past timeline now, because I don't know where that's going to go at all. He's going to go for the biker guys, I guess. But yeah. like where, how, with who, when, like, you know what I'm saying? So my prediction with that is, this is out of left field. Uh, he's going to get revenge with an old friend. 
Do you have a specific prediction of which old friend? Cad Bane. So this is your Cad Bane spot. Yeah. I feel like it makes more sense if he's in the past than in the present. All right. I don't know if you disagree or agree with that. Pete, is your prediction going to be that we end up resetting again in, in Chapter 4? So I don't want it to be, so I'm not going to say it into existence. I'm going to say that in the past, my prediction is the same as Nick's, but I think Fennec Shand is going to be involved. I think this is where Fennec and Boba kind of meet up. Cool. Um, but I think Cad Bane is a, is, a, is a really good pick as well to show up in the past. I think Nick's right. I think if they're going to do anything with Cad Bane, it probably makes more sense for him to be in the past timeline than the present. Um, present would still be cool, though. Present timeline, I think that we're going to get we're going to move forward, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think we're going to move forward where we're not resetting and we're going to stay with the same plot, but I don't think we're going to move forward enough that three episodes is going to make a good end of a show. So you're thinking we're going to stick with the pikes for a little bit, and but we're not going to make a ton of progress. Right. We're not going to make much progress. We're going to stick with the pikes. We're going to get maybe the same format. Um, we might get a fight scene or a, or a conflict like, you know, Maybe like what Nick was saying, we have that finally dinner scene. Uh, maybe the Pikes are involved in that dinner scene. If that's the case, if he's sitting down with the Pikes, I, I feel like we're not moving forward. You know, like if, if he's having a nice conversation with them. So I, I, I think we're going to stick with the timeline, but we're not going to move forward that much. All right. I'm going to say in the present, we are definitely having the dinner because they mentioned they not give away those three factions for 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 S's and giggles to get the episode and the history lesson. It's like, those would be the three parties at the dinner and both of us could be talking to them saying, hey, these guys are coming for all our heads. We need to unite as one group in order to take them on. So that's going to be the thrust of there is that we try and unite the clans basically to go against the Pikes and try and build his army that way. That's the purpose of the dinner. It might be a lunch. We don't know. Well, I mean, like... We don't know, we don't know what time of day it is. And now that I'm thinking about it, I want to call it the meal. Yeah, so like, yeah, the last supper basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's going to happen that the Last Supper happens that he's uniting all three cl clans to basically say, look, they're coming for our heads. We can fight each other. We can fight them together and, like, respect each other, blah, blah, blah. Rule of respect comes back. I think that's going to be the pe the present timeline. The past timeline, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, I think, honestly, the biker gang thing makes a lot of sense. I think Cad Bane will be there. I also think that we're going to get the ship next week. I think we're going to see him grab his ship, and that's how he goes. He goes, picks up Cad Bane. Cool. Another thing with Cad Bane, while well, you have to have him in the past, so you have, if you have him in the present, he either has to die or he's got to become a regular or, like, I, I don't know, like you got to write him off in some way. This doesn't make sense. If he's in the past, it's easier to just say, and then they went their own ways. Yeah, you know he, what I mean? Yes, yeah, you kind of want because he's kind of a guy you don't want him being like on the payroll where he's always there. You want him just kind of coming and going on his own will. You yeah, can have he both. Right. So they, they set that up with the Tuscan Raider warrior that they you don't see the body, right? So maybe Cabane shows up in the past and then at the end of the future timeline, there he is helping Boba. Yeah. You have him, like people who are in the past then disappear, reappear, reappear at the kind of like in Mandalorian. Bill right. Burr was gone. You didn't see him. And then all of a sudden he's back. Right. So it could be done. Do they have enough time to do all of it? I don't know, but could be. Poor, poor Bill Burr. I mean, I, I have no idea what that character's name is. To me, he's Bill Burr's character. And May he always will be. Mayfeld. Mayfeld. That's right. Yeah. 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 I also got to throw one out for future 
like episodes may not be this episode. I think we are getting Timothy Oliphant back at some point as Cobb Van because he is on Tatooine. He's not that far away. We should see him at some point. I don't know when it'll be, but we it should, should. It should be the past because he had Boba's armor at one point. Oh, yeah. I don't know when as in like what episode, but yeah, I uh, agree. I think um, probably was episode think, five. Do you think this, so this is seven episodes. I'm assuming we'll have flashbacks in every episode, at least a little bit. Yeah. Do you think the season seven or excuse me, episode seven flashbacks will be catching us up to Mandalorian? Or do you think they're going to leave that for a season two? I don't think there's going to be a season two. I think they intend to sort of a limited series. Cause I don't think they have like a lot of meat on the bone there. I think they know this is like sort of a one and done. We're repurposing the movie. I agree, but they could, if they, I don't know if they want to continue this Mando verse. I don't think this is the last we see of Boba. I think this is sort of like, you know, I guess what Marvel will try to do with Defenders a little bit, where, like, sort of like Iron Fist had his show and it sucked, and then they tried to stick it in Luke Cage and he was better there, but not much. So I think this is kind of what happened with Boba. This this could also be a origin story and what he's doing while helping Mando, yeah. right? Only the season, you get to see how he escaped. You see all the flashbacks. You see what happened from then until the Mandoverse. And now he's just going to be a Mandalorian, and that's all we're getting. Because if they're struggling this much to to start a storyline, right? It's ta- it's taken three episodes to start a storyline. I I can't see them putting out anything after a season one. And if it is, it's probably only going to be another six or seven episode season, and probably going to be stretched thin. Yeah, like I said, I I think it's sort of like the Wandavision model, where it's going to be one. Episode, one season, tell a story, and then he pops up elsewhere. I don't think we're getting. That's a shame. I, I, I have a shame that that's not going to go on again because Wandavision was awesome, but it can't happen. There's no vision, you know. But I think it's going to be the same great. way. Too. I think Ahsoka is going to be a one season and done. Ahsoka, I think, was different. We're going to want more. Like this one, I think we're going to be like, okay, we're fine. We're going to want more, but I think they're going to just keep playing into the Mandalorian. I, I don't know if they can keep up with the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba and Ahsoka. I just, no, I just feel like it's going to be a one and done for Ahsoka, maybe two and done for Ahsoka. I could be completely. Yeah, I, I, and I, I kind I, of I agree. I, I kind of agree. I love Ahsoka, but how much of Ahsoka can you have outside the Mandalorian? Plus, having her in the Mandalorian, I don't know if she's, how she's going to be in there though, because I mean, literally, she made a point in her one episode where it's like. I can't train this kid. Go find someone else to do it. So she has her own sort of separate adventure. Uh, I, I Look, there's going to be a season, maybe two of Ahsoka. I don't think there's going to be another season of this show. Yeah. Andor is not part of the universe. And Mando, I think we're getting one more season. And is that it? Is it over? No, I think I think Mando, I think they're going to s- s- keep that going for a while. That's been the most popular I, one. I'm a little worried about Mando without Grogu. Yeah. I'm a little worried about that show without him. Because they wonder, like, they could get away with the season of him doing the uh, sort of I'm ruling Mandalore unintentionally and Bo-Katan wants to kill me to get the sword back. I could have a season of that, but I don't know how much more you're going to push the envelope on that. That's what I'm saying. Without Grogu, uh, you had the Mando stuff, like the like the Mandalore stuff, and that's great. You know, Bo-Katan and Sacha Banks and all those people, you know, and Mandalore as a whole at the planet. Like, we all know from watching the Clone Wars, weren't those the best episodes, the ones that were on Mandalore? Those are awesome. Yeah. But after what six of those episodes, let's call it an eight episode season, six of those, like then what? Uh, you don't have Grogu, you don't have I don't know, he was a huge part of the show, Grogu. Like obviously somebody 
people watch the show because of Baby Yoda. Yeah. All right. I think I have an epiphany. I want to end this on the end the episode on this one. Sort of my theory here about where we're going with Book of Boba here and how this ties into everything. And I think we are going to end up sort of doing the Matryoshka doll again. And the Pikes are going to end up being revealed to be the lackeys for Crimson Dawn. It is not going to be Kira running Crimson Dawn because they could not get Amelia Clark for whatever reason. I think that the person who's pulling the strings of Crimson Dawn now is going to be Thrawn, and that's how we tie everything together. Hmm. Ike, I love it. And I'm okay. That's like the only person in the world I'm okay with it not being instead of Kira. And what do you think oh. he'll grab the Infinity Gauntlet too and say, I'll do it myself? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Oh, so this actually, this actually would make a lot of sense, Mike, because if you can get Boba and Mandalore, like if you can get Boba Fett attached to Grand Emerald Thrawn at some point, you now have Ahsoka, Sabine, I'm sure Bo-Katan, and Boba Fett going after him. And Mando has, I'm sure, some stake in that too. You put everything into Mandalorian, you just keep going Mandalorian into that Thrawn situation. Yeah, I think that's our nugget. That's how we're going to try and push the ball forward here, that Thrawn will appear would, at the end of the that season. Would really, that would really be fantastic. That'd be amazing. Where he's the guy behind the guys who are trying to just grab all the underworld assets and make a move because, remember, there's no more Empire. So Mandalorian is going to be the Avengers movie to all of the origin stories. Like Boba Fett is Thor. And you know what I'm saying? Like all the origin stories, like Ahsoka's show, Boba Fett's show, and Mandalorian is like the Avengers movies where they all come together and they have to do things. I think that would be a good um, setup. Yeah, that's or like, do you do or do you do Iron Man 2 with Mandalorian like season three and then have a new show called like, I don't know, Thrawn and make it that. I don't know the name of the show, but. Some sort of crisis that they all have to come together to stop Thrawn. Like I feel like Thrawn, it's accumulating resource going to be the point of this, where he's that's why he's that's going a after. really, 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 really good prediction. And another thing that I wasn't going to mention on the air because it didn't serve any relevance, and we have to end this. We're kind of over here, but I didn't, I want to mention this. Before, you know, I, I wouldn't mention this unless you said that. Is everyone that I've read and I watch a lot of like reviews on YouTube and reads are prepared for the night when we do this? Guys, like he's saying, do not expect Crimson Dawn and telling all these reasons why, but all the reasons are not because we shouldn't expect Crimson Dawn, it's because we shouldn't expect Kira. Yes. So if it's not her, then we have no reason to not expect Crimson Dawn. And it's like in the comics, she's up to this and that, and she wouldn't be a bit, and this and that overlaps with canon. But what if it's not her? There you go. All right, so we'll put that out there. We'll put that nugget on the board here, see if we're right on this. We're probably not, but we'll throw it out there anyway. But It would be amazing. It would be amazing. This would be the only way, I think, to redeem this shelf. They got something like that pulled off. But we're going to end it here. Get some social media handles out. P, what people want to follow you, how can they do that? At PJ Contadori 29 on Twitter. Um, just did a podcast for uh, Back to Basics. Um, so it'll be up on my Instagram too, um, PJ392. And of course, all of these podcasts I put up there and all the hockey contents on there as well. So definitely give me a follow. Yeah. And Nick, I know you don't give your candle out. You're still accumulating followers. Who is your follow suggestion of the week? It, it has to be the same one that I gave you last week because I said on the day off, I said on January 10th that we were going to, that this handle was going to announce the firing of Joe Judge. They did it on the 11th. So you got to follow the Giants and see who we bring in to fix this team. If they bring in anyone to fix the team, hopefully they do. All right. You guys will follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. We mentioned here, follow our feed, the Sky Guys podcast feed. Pete, you get the episodes early there. You get them the day after you record. If you follow the regular Justin Suffering feed, this week we did a lot of NFL talk, but 
you get it there, you got to wait a few days. So make sure you subscribe to this one. Follow the feed. Just follow the Sky Guys feed. Absolutely. I want to thank you guys again for coming on. We'll be back next week to recap Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett. See if we're any closer to the appearance of Grand Admiral Thrawn right after this. Hey!